United won Wolves nil. Dan James leaving for Leeds. Ronaldo's debut versus Newcastle and Rafael Varane's assistant clean sheet. It's the Fergie Files podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is the Fergie Files podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Folger. Thank you very much for joining me. This is episode one, the inaugural episode of the Fergie Files podcast, and I just have to say I'm so excited to be doing this. Thank you very much for joining me. It is September 9th, 2021. It's a Friday, um, and I am in lovely, surprisingly cold Michigan this morning, uh, bringing you the very first episode. Uh, This podcast is something that I've wanted to do for a very long time. I think probably... Uh, the last maybe five or six years, I've been toying with the idea of doing it and never really felt particularly motivated to do it um, or that it was the right time. And now at this point in this season in particular, it feels like uh, now is as good a time as any to try and kick this thing off. So, um, you know, first of all, like I said, thank you for joining us, for joining me. I hope that there will be an us. I would like to first of all say that this podcast won't always just be me talking. I have a lot of uh, friends and people in mind that I'd like to have on as guests. Um, We may think about adding a co-host at some point. But for now, for starters, for episode one, it's just me. Um, A little bit about myself and about how I came to be a Manchester United supporter and follower and someone who paid really close attention to uh, soccer or to football. Um, In 2006, like many uh, people, many kids of my generation in particular, uh, the World Cup was getting a lot of play um, in the U.S. And as many of you know, that U.S. has never really prioritized soccer until uh, recently. It's starting to get a lot more attention and focus in the um, kind of national sports sphere. So um, when I was a kid, you didn't really see a lot of it. I almost never saw anything on SportsCenter, um, you know, or anything in the news about soccer. And so when the World Cup was happening in 2006, that was the first time I ever really was introduced to seeing professional soccer players on television um, without having to have a specific, you know, channel or package or a a specific way to watch it. So, um, you know, the first thing that I ever saw was um, a series of highlights of a very young at the time, Cristiano Ronaldo doing step over after step over. And so I I can remember running upstairs to where our computer was at and Googling who he was and trying to figure out what what the deal was. And I saw that he uh, didn't just play for Portugal because at the time the whole national team, club team thing was uh, totally news to me that they could have two different teams. It didn't really make sense if it wasn't the Olympics. So um, I saw that he played for a team called Manchester United and I thought, all right, shit, that's it. That's my team. I'm going to follow them and I'm going to pay attention to what he does and what they do. And I mean, you know, a lot of people I think in my generation have similar stories of how they found it. It was, you know, the biggest players and the biggest names, and then they fell in love with it from there. So for me, that was it. It was like, once I saw that I couldn't, couldn't see enough uh, clips of, of him or of United. Um, I remember we would, you know, I begged my mom to get the Fox soccer channel um, on TV at home. And eventually for my birthday, she did. And that was, uh, that was it. That was then where I was at, was parked by the TV and watching as much as I could from any team. I didn't care who it was or when it was on. I was just constantly watching it. 
Um, so that was 15 years ago. And now I've obviously grown a lot. But the one thing that hasn't changed is uh, my love for Manchester United. Um, I can't say it's never wavered because the last couple seasons have been tough. But uh, it's certainly never gone away. And this season, I think there's a lot to be excited about. So, um, you know, I wanted to kick this off and start a podcast um, chronicling everything that happens this season and hopefully beyond. I mean, we'll take it one game at a time, just like the players always say they do. So, you know, uh, the first thing I want to start um, off with as far as real content is concerned um, is saying that I want to just do kind of quick snippets. I don't want to sit up here and rant and rant. Um, I want this to be easy and digestible and also interesting, um, you know, and interactive. Hopefully you guys will start to have comments and things that you want to see, uh, or hear talked about on the show. Um, and I would absolutely encourage that. I would love to have that interaction. So, um, you know, I'll do a couple of things. I'll do some match recaps for sure. Brief match recaps. I'll talk about the latest news, transfers, gossip, whatever's going on. If it's injuries when they're not in the transfer window or international stuff when it's international break, um, you know, so that kind of thing will happen uh, pretty regularly. I also will definitely want to talk sometimes about some of my favorite memories and things that are coming up and things that, um, you know, have sparked my my memory. So I'll bring up those. I like also, um, I like kits and I like I'm very passionate about collecting them. I have, I think, I don't know, 60 or so different kits from international teams, um, club teams, and, and teams all over the world. So I definitely will always do a segment of best dressed and see who wore it best and who wore it worst um, throughout the Premier League in particular. Um, but if there's one in particular in Europe that speaks to me that week, I'll definitely bring that up as well. So, you know, that's kind of where I think I'm at as far as what I want to um, really make sure we cover. And like I said, uh, after obviously episode one, once we start to get some interaction from y'all, then we will definitely uh, have some questions and some time for some topics to be discussed, questions, comments, etc. at the end. Um, and I'll definitely always try to pose some things too. So um, I'll, I'll make sure that you have an opportunity to get in touch. Uh, another quick thing before I jump into the content for this week, um, how to get in touch with us, how to follow us and how to stick around. You can absolutely continue to listen to the Fergie Files podcast, however you are listening now. Um, the intention is to have this on Apple, Google, Spotify, and uh, SoundCloud. Um, so this is definitely something we want to be accessible to everyone all the time, wherever you are. Um, another way to get in touch with us is by emailing um, or going to our Instagram. So the Instagram is at Fergie Files Podcast. And let me just make absolutely certain that I have not missed it. Yep, at Fergie Files Podcast, all lowercase. And the email is FergieFilesPodcast at gmail.com. Either way is a good way to get in touch, submit questions, comments, or whatever you'd like to hear or see done on the show. What an incredible summer, first of all, this has been. Before we talk about the transfers, let's just jump right in and try and stay up to date. So United won Wolves nil. Um, You know, the first thing that happened, obviously. What What a weird game for us. What a weird match that we had. I think it's really interesting that we have so much promise and so much to be excited about with the summer transfer windows and the signings. And yet, even after a pretty impressive performance, smashing leads 5-1, um, you know, then we kind of slump against Southampton um, a little bit. And okay, albeit, you know, we get a point from that match, which is fine, um, but it's really not enough. And then to see us barely scraped by Wolves, a team who had yet to score a goal, um, has yet to score a goal in the Premier League this season, 
it's interesting. It's interesting to see us play against teams like Leeds who are so dynamic and high energy and want to hit. It's like our structure is totally set up to uh, wait for teams like that to try and hit us so that we can try and hit them. But we're almost too hesitant to throw the first punch against teams like Southampton, teams like Wolves, who maybe are more inclined, generally speaking, to sit back and to sit in and to try and let the quote-unquote big clubs do the uh, you know, do the driving. It's always so strange to me, and it does seem that the last probably five or six seasons has re- this has really been the case in the in the Sir Alex Ferguson era. I remember so vividly uh, so many times where matches we'd play against what we would consider lesser opponents just dominating everything from the start. I mean, from the off, even if we weren't scoring seven goals in the first half or anything insane, there was just a definite swagger about the way that we attacked every game. And I say attacked uh, literally and figuratively. I think we um, didn't necessarily always attack by pressing our foot down on the gas and going full steam forward the whole time, but we attacked We attacked and we dominated the way that the match was um, going to take place. We never seemed to let the other team dictate the pace or dictate the tempo or how they wanted to move the ball or where they were going to go or what we just came out and it was our game and they were just living in our world and I don't think we've had that swagger in a long time so it's certainly one of the things that I'm most excited for with this uh, transfer window and the transfers we've seen come in I think you have Ronaldo and Sancho and uh, obviously Varane um, you know, are the big name signings, plus not to mention Tom Heaton, who I'm, I'm quite certain will play for us this year at some point. Um, you know, you have guys with experience. You have guys who are extremely exciting moving forward. You have Rafael Varane, who's an absolute rock at the back, and we'll get to him and his debut a little bit later on. I just think that Ronaldo and obviously Oli as well, and Fletcher and Carrick and some of the guys who are still on staff and um, around the club, will remember well what it was like to play with guys who, when they walked out onto the pitch at Old Trafford and elsewhere in the Premier League, there was no questioning who was in charge and who was going to boss that game. And I think we don't have that, and I'm hopeful that with Ronaldo um, and Varane and Maguire and some of the guys who are stronger leaders in the squad, I'm hopeful that we'll start to really get some sense of that swagger back in the club because it's been missing and we desperately need it. So I think it's also really important to... um, touch on the fact that we scored again I mean okay obviously I I say this a lot to people when I'm talking about United and and about football in general you know teams that don't play well and get three points at the end of the day are often the teams that are in the best position or are competing for the titles and you see the teams that aren't able to close it out are usually the ones that are left you know, with nothing to do at the end of the season. Relegation has obviously been avoided, and uh, there's no chance of fighting for anything except for maybe a European place, which normally is locked up. So, you know, I think it's Manchester United has teetered on the brink of being one of those clubs who gets the job done when they don't play well, and then not. And I think the last two performances are a great example and illustration of that. You have the Southampton match, which was 1-1, and was definitely something that we in my opinion, going into the match and certainly coming out of it, we should have won that game based on everything we know and all the players that we have. And um, even the way that we played, I think we could have in many, we had many opportunities to win that match and we didn't. So that's always frustrating. Then you have the Wolves match where I think we actually played probably worse than we played against Southampton, in my opinion. And 
um, you know, we get the three points. Um, is it luck? Is it because Mason Greenwood is from another planet? Who knows? I mean, you know, but we got the job done. So it's like we're right in that middle ground of can we actually close matches out and get results when we have to get results? Because that's the difference between us competing with Man City, competing with Manchester City, or competing with Liverpool at the end of the season, um, or competing with whoever else is going to be up there, whether it's Chelsea this season or um, well, probably not Arsenal, um, but whoever might be up in that kind of top three or four spots, that's what really dictates whether or not we're going to be able to be in that conversation is can we get the results when we play like shit and we look like shit the whole match. So I think it's important to take away that we got the job done and I hope that we're able to carry that momentum forward as we face Newcastle uh, tomorrow, which is uh, Saturday, September 11th. So I'm very hopeful that um, we will be able to keep that momentum going forward. And I think it'll be very interesting to see who plays, um, what kind of system all he uses, and yeah, what the team looks like. We could certainly speculate. Okay, uh, let's move on. One thing that we know we won't see in the team tomorrow, um, which I'm really disappointed about, is Dan James. Um, you know, Dan James for me is a player that I really liked as he uh, was so young and he started off so brightly. It was inevitable that there was going to be some sort of a decline in his performances and what he was able to do for the club. Um, I can't say that that's a huge shock. However, I do think it's a shame that Dan James wasn't given um, longer. And I understand it. You know, I think he's someone who deserves to play week in and week out. And I think he's not quite at the level where he can be impactful for us week in and week out. So I get why he needed to go somewhere where he's going to get, um, you know, actual playing time. That's how a player like that really takes it to the level that we saw in his first five or six matches for us um, consistently. He needs to be out there playing close to 90 minutes, if not 90 minutes, week in, week out to get to that level. And we also know that the situation with him coming to Manchester United in the first place was, um, you know, a weird situation for him. And he was at Leeds taking pictures with his kit um, a few years back. And then the paperwork got messed up and that deal uh, didn't happen, even though he uh, so wanted it to. And as as far as I remember, his family is Leeds fans and he wasn't able to make that happen and it was totally not his fault. So I think his heart probably always was a little bit set on being at Leeds at some point. And, um, you know, rivalries aside, I think Dan James is a player who gave a lot for Manchester United when he was here. I'm sad to see him go. I think he could turn into something one day and maybe um, maybe smart transfer moves in the future. We'll see him come back to us um, when he's at a different stage in his career. You know, maybe not. You never know how these things pan out. But I think Dan James is a player with a lot of potential. And I hope he really does have, uh, you know, all the best happen to him in his career. I really wish him all the best. He's player I wish we could have seen a little bit more of but um, we'll definitely be playing against him at least one more time this season and I'm really curious to see and follow his uh, career as he goes on with Leeds for the rest of the season and, and beyond so uh, Dan James all the best thank you for your time at United we as fans I think we mostly all really appreciate what you did and understand why you're going to Leeds hope it works out for you and hope you hit the heights that you know we know you can so Another thing on the docket for today that I really want to think about and discuss, and I'd love to hear from you guys on this one as well, so please get your questions in. 
um, at Fergie Files on Instagram, at Fergie Files Podcast, or uh, Fergie Files Podcast at gmail.com. Jesse Lingard, what a weird one. He lives to dance another day with us, I guess, and play his flute and do his thing after he scores goals. You know, this is such a strange one for me because I've also, uh, very much in the same way as Dan James, I've always had a soft spot for Jesse Lingard, um, even before he scored in the FA Cup final. And, um, you know, I just liked him as a player. I think when he's on, he's a very hard player to play against. He's got a really, uh, you know, innate ability to stay on his feet through through tough uh, tackles and challenges, and he's not a particularly big guy. So I do think it's interesting. that he's, yeah, kind of been in and out. We've obviously all read about, um, the, you know, the personal struggles and challenges he's gone through both with his own mental health and uh, and his family and having to deal with being the support system for his entire family. And, you know, he's a young guy. He's 27 now, I think, only. But, um, you know, you have to remember that he's not that far removed from being a kid. And uh, that's a lot to take on when you're playing for one of the biggest clubs and you're playing for the English national team. And, totally in the spotlight and have to do all that and feel like you're totally responsible for it by yourself. So I think he's another one I'd love to see succeed. I just fear that with Bruno being as dominant as he's been um, in the very similar advanced midfield sort of position, I don't know that we're going to see a lot of Jesse Lingard except for in the cup. And maybe if we start to get our Champions League uh, situation, you know, rolling and we need to start rotating guys in as we've got some things secured, then maybe we'll see him in the Champions League group stages a little bit. But I don't know. It's interesting. It's an interesting one for me because I think we used to desperately need someone in that position and he came in and I really thought he could be that guy. Obviously, there was this whole weird time where his form dipped. We totally lost him. He was hit or miss for a while. And then we bring Bruno in, and Bruno's been the most potent player we've had since he signed for the club. He's been the most potent player, potent player in the Premier League since he signed for the club. So I don't, you know, I don't know that we're going to see a lot of Jesse Lingard, but at least he hasn't left yet. Um, I could see him going somewhere in January, and honestly, this time I could see it being permanent. I'm a little bit surprised that West Ham didn't make a play for him because of how well he played. In his loan there last season, I, I loved seeing um, him do so well there, and I thought that would be actually a really good fit for him and for, for West Ham. But, um, you know, maybe they just didn't feel that they needed him or he was surplus to their requirements for this season. So, I don't know. Jesse Lingard, very interesting one. Again, someone I'll always have a soft spot for. I got his kit right away made up back in the day when I worked at a soccer store and, um, you know, right after he scored that goal in the FA Cup final, got the... White kit with Lingard 35 on it because I knew he was going to be a player for us, a special player for a while. And uh, sad to say that he hasn't proven to be that as consistently as I would like. He certainly had some pretty incredible moments with us. And, you know, I definitely hope to see him come good at United and maybe we'll get to use him later on this season. And you never know how things might turn. But at least for now, he is still with us, still dancing. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll see him do a little bit more of that as the season develops. All right, moving on. Let's talk transfers. Obviously, the marquee transfer of the summer transfer window is Cristiano Ronaldo. So, you know, before I just totally dive in, let's just do a real quick grade on the rest of the transfer window. I think Varane is the signing of the summer uh, for maybe any club. I really do. I think he has the defensive qualities and the leadership qualities 
to be a strong partner for Harry Maguire and to lead the rest of the team. Um, we need more stronger, experienced presences in the dressing room and on the pitch, and I think he's got that. He's got the experience. He's won the World Cup. He's won the Champions Leagues. He's won La Liga. He's won Spanish Cups. He's won everything there is imaginable to win. Um, so I just don't know that you know we're going to find a better player out there, better suited to join our defense and really solidify things. And not to mention he's extremely talented as well. Um, and has the skills on the pitch to really be that guy for us. So, you know, I think he's definitely my most exciting signing before Cristiano Ronaldo. And I think from a talent standpoint, their level for me, I, I'm just as excited about Varane as I am Ronaldo. Nostalgically, I think Ronaldo, I'm putting him in an upper echelon category that can't be touched because nostalgically I'm thrilled that Ronaldo is back. But Varane is an excellent signing. Um, Tom Heaton is another really solid one. I don't know that we need him, but I like that we have him. You know, you look at teams like PSG who have like nine goalkeepers and they're all top tier goalkeepers. And yeah, they loan a couple out, but I don't know that we need three top tier goalkeepers. I really don't. We play a lot of matches, but uh, with De Gea's injury record, it's generally good. Dino, I think, should have gotten more time last season and didn't, but his performances I thought were excellent. Um, and now we've got Tom Heaton, who's a Premier League caliber goalkeeper, and maybe we're just looking to do a little bit more rotation, or maybe we really do just want that backup to the backup. I don't know the situation, but I like the signing. I like that he's back home. I think not enough has been made of the fact that he was a Manchester United player and he's come back home. I mean, everybody's focused on that with Ronaldo, but I like that Tom Heaton is back. I think that's another guy that knows the way of the club, knows the way of the club from um, from the Sir Alex Ferguson time, and uh, from what it was like to be around the club back then. I think it's important to have people like that so they can keep the legacy alive and keep the young guys uh, clear on what the mission is and what they should feel every time they step out wearing the red. So I like that signing. I think um, I would give the Rand signing an A for sure or an A+. plus. That's an excellent signing, and the fee is reasonable. I'd give the Tom Heaton signing um, an A. I think that's a good one for not that much. I don't remember if he was free or we actually paid for him. I think he might have been a free agent, but either way, it wasn't a ma major fee, and I like that we have another Premier League caliber goalkeeper on our books. I hope to see him play at least once or twice this year, so that'll be excellent. Then you look at Sancho. I actually think I would rate this one the lowest of any of the transfers um, with maybe a B plus. I think he will come good, and I think he's a talented player, but he is way too expensive um, I think we paid way too much for him when you look at what we've gotten uh, for way less um, in the rest of this transfer window. And I really think that so much was made of this that unless he comes out and scores 20 goals and gets 15 assists, people are going to be disappointed. And I think that's always a really bad recipe. Um, there's always going to be that pressure when you're a high-level athlete, no matter what sport and what team, and you come in and there's a big number associated with you. There's always this expectation of immediate performance. But we've seen this happen so many times with so many other players across different leagues, and it's like, oh, did he, you know, was he a was he a flop? Did he not live up to the hype and whatever? But the reality is, this is a really young kid who has had a couple of excellent seasons in Germany, and has loads of talent. He didn't feature at the Euros, which uh, very much, which I thought was a bit surprising because I think he's really talented, um, you know. But I just think that it's weird that we had to wait three seasons. Um, of up and down, will he, won't he, transfer saga and pay a bunch of money, probably $30 million too much, in my opinion, um, to get this guy in. And now there's going to be this massive burden of expectation. 
I think the Ronaldo signing will really help him, and I have very little doubt that eventually Sancho will get up to speed and play like what we've seen him do at Dortmund with United. I think that's a given. I think it's a matter of time, and I urge uh, fans, listeners, and everyone involved with the club patience and affording him a little bit of time because it's going to take time for him to figure this out. Um, but he will come good for sure. Jaden Sancho is extremely talented, and we've seen what he was able to do. He's a very dynamic player going forward, and he likes to create in tight spaces, and he likes to stretch defenses and uh, pick teams apart and dribble his way through, and he'll score goals, and he'll provide assists. And with Ronaldo in the middle and Cavani as the backup, and you've got Rashford, and you've got Greenwood, and you've got you know Bruno, and you've got Pogba, and you've got just guys who can score goals left, right, and center he should have no trouble getting involved in the attack and really creating some things for us this season. So I'm excited to see what he does. I just think we paid too much and it took too long to get the deal done. And that's certainly not his fault. Uh, that's definitely the the fault of the people who are involved in making those deals happen. So uh, I think he's a good signing for us. He's not the best in this transfer window, in my opinion, simply because of the amount we had to pay to get him and because of how long in years it took to get him into the club. And then there's Ronaldo. Well, you know, what can really be said that hasn't already been said about someone who is, in my opinion, and in many people's opinions, the greatest of all time. I personally give it to him over Messi for personal bias reasons, for sure. But I've also watched a lot more of him. I would probably appreciate Messi a little bit more if I had watched more um, La Liga matches. I mean, everyone has seen Messi's highlights for sure. And Messi has picked apart my teams uh, multiple times, so... It's really hard for me to support Messi as much as I have Ronaldo when Messi uh, has absolutely annihilated United on multiple occasions in two Champions League finals and at every opportunity in the Champions League. And, um, you know, every time we've had to come up against Messi, it's been trouble. So uh, Ronaldo, I've always loved since since almost day one, his first season. Uh, that I followed Manchester United was the first season. I think he really was uh, showing the world he was better than almost anyone. It was when he started bagging all of the goals. He had had two seasons, I think, at that point at Manchester United and was a really special player, clearly, but very mercurial and um, a little on and off early on because he was so young. And then the 06-07 season is when I started to really, um, is when I discovered him and, and football in general and followed it. And that's when things really took off. So I've always had that special uh, bias for Ronaldo as the best ever. I think his track record has proved that, I mean, when you've scored whatever it is now, 700-some professional goals, that's unbelievable. I think it's more than 750 now, if I remember correctly. It's That's absurd. And, you know, I think one of the things about Ronaldo that's often underrated is it's not his speed so much. What we heard from a lot of uh, pundits and you know commentators on the Ronaldo transfer is, oh, well, he's older. He's maybe not going to be his usual self or as good as he once was or um, you know have as much to do as he normally uh, or as he did in our previous years that he was in Manchester United. So you know this transfer might not be all that. But I think when you go back and watch all of his goals, which I've spent the last week doing, um, you know, bit by bit, because there's quite literally hours of them. It's it's not that he is pulling a Gareth Bale in the Copa del Rey final and running out of bounds and past the defender and then picking up the ball and smashing it in because he's just that much faster than everyone. I mean, he certainly had his moments of speed where it was incredible. You know, Arsenal comes to mind on the counterattack and things like that. But 
when you look at his goals, especially when he started to um, really develop at Real Madrid, it's his movement and it's his understanding and awareness of play, especially in the box. Um, you know, his shooting, and you, you could say this for any one of his uh, attributes, his qualities are um, second to none and absolutely outstanding. I mean, he's the definition of a world-class player. But I think his movement is what's most lethal for him. And he's I compare that very much to the movement of Thomas Muller, who, um, Thomas Muller, who is absolutely an unbelievable reader of the game, um, maybe one of the best that I've ever seen. Ronaldo is up there in that category as well. You just watch the way he knows how to reposition his body, and it's not even on a header and the ball's in the air and he's got to tweak his his movement or whatever to connect with it right. It's it's five, six, seven steps ahead of the play when Ronaldo's in a scrum of people on the six-yard box and he knows the ball's getting cut back. And before, before his teammate has even stepped past the defender, he's already taking steps to get back towards the middle of the box, towards the spot so he can smash it in. It's the chess-like awareness of moves three or four steps ahead that really set him apart in my mind. Um, and that track record has been proven over and over and over again, um, both at Real Madrid and at Juventus, and certainly at Manchester United as well. But I think as a younger player, he did focus a lot more on um, you know, his speed and his flair to, to create a lot of his goals when he was at United. You know, there, there's, of course, obviously a lot of other situations from the penalty spot and from free kicks and dead ball situations. And, um, you know, that's definitely the case. But I think a lot of his goals are actually really simple, um, where it's not necessarily so much his physicality or his shooting or his um, technique as it is his understanding of the game. And that's where I think we can absolutely still see Ronaldo bag loads of goals for us. I think now more than ever, um, especially now more than when he was playing for us the last time, the, the game has changed. The defenders have changed. The quality of fitness has changed. Ronaldo is not the fastest player in the world. So he's not going to run by every single defender in the Premier League. But that's actually where this game works in his favor is he is going to be smarter than most of them as far as reading the game and understanding the movement, knowing where to be, when to be there. That's why you see him out jump guys for headers because he times it better. And it's not necessarily because of his physicality and the fact that he can jump higher. It's that he knows when to jump higher. Um, it's, it's that he knows when to open up his hips and shape the ball to go into the near post because it's just coming to him at the right speed. It's, he knows all of that stuff innately. And he has utilized that for years now, more than a decade. And I think that there's no question that he's going to continue to do that um, as he comes back to Manchester United. So um, I think I expect him to get double-digit goals this year for sure. I think that's a reasonable expectation. I hope it's more. I mean, I hope it's, okay, I don't think it's triple digits, but I'm saying I hope it's more than 10. I hope it's 20 or 25 across all competitions. Um, and I think, honestly, that's reasonable when you factor in how many goals Bruno Fernandes has had to score. Any team who's a one-trick pony is going to you know, see teams start to circle that guy on the lineup before the match, right? So Bruno Fernandes has been circled for a while. But when you add other pieces around him who are equally dangerous and require just as much attention, and now you start to see Pogba flourishing and you start to see you know, Fred really coming into his own and other guys becoming threats like Rashford, like Greenwood, like Martial hopefully will, like Cavani, and then you've got Ronaldo and then you've got Sancho, 
these are guys where you can't you can't just circle the whole front line. So the attention is going to have to be there on all of them equally, and it's going to mean that players like Sancho, players like Ronaldo, like Greenwood, who are finishers, are going to get into those positions and are going to put chances away. So I think Ronaldo, I mean, it can't be understated, is an incredibly important signing for us this year, not only from a on-the-pitch standpoint, but certainly from his mentality. Um, you know, he's a winner. He's a trainer. He's a laser-focused kind of guy. He's going to add absolutely everything we've been missing for a long time, and he'll bring some of that old-school swagger back to us as well. Not to mention, you know, he's Sir Alex's boy, and it's just going to be lovely to see him watching uh, Ronaldo again from the stands come Saturday when they take on Newcastle. So I'm really looking forward to that. Okay, I don't want to spend more time on it because I certainly could talk and talk and talk about Ronaldo. Favorite player ever, greatest player ever, cannot believe he's home. Come on, United. Just incredible. Um, Moving on, last big topic uh, before we get into looking ahead to the match against Newcastle. Rafael Varane. I know we touched on this a little bit already, but what a debut he had. I mean, I thought without being in your face scoring a leaping header goal for a central defender, I think he had an excellent debut. I think he's an excellent player. He looked very steady, even when he had Adama Traore going full speed at him. Um, He didn't look out of control or out of his element. I think he looked very comfortable and very calm in the situation, which was nice to see. Um, You don't often see players new to the Premier League being ran at by him and having to really uh, you know, scramble to make a save. And we definitely had some close calls, but I don't think any of them had anything to do with Rafael Varane's de- defending. I think he looked uh, very sturdy. And I'm really happy to see that relationship develop with Harry Maguire as we really start to see another true center back, center back pairing like we used to have. It may not be to the level of Vidic and Ferdinand. It may. You know, it may exceed their level of what quality was. It's impossible to say from here, but I think that there's going to be a very serious partnership between those two for for some time to come, and I'm really looking forward to see what that develops into. Otherwise, I mean, he got an assist. He got the assist, the winning assist. So, you know, for a center back to come in, keep a clean sheet in a tough, tight game where we really almost conceded probably three or four times, you know, and then get an assist as well, I mean... You can't really ask for a whole lot more from him. And I think there's not enough superlatives to say how good he is, um, you know, and his experience and everything. Like we touched on earlier, he's he's an excellent player, and he's going to be a big player for us. I could definitely see him, if McGuire ever has time away from the side, I could see him wearing the captain's band at some point in the future. I think his connection with Pogba in the middle of the field creates a really stable spine for us, which we need. Whether Pogba's more advanced or not, I think having both of them in the center of the pitch is a big deal. Um, from, from a language standpoint and uh, you know communication and connection from playing together standpoint, but just in general. And I also love that Varane has played with Ronaldo before too, and so has Bruno. And um, you know, there's just going to be a level of connection with this team I think that we haven't seen in a while. This is going to be really big for us, and Varane is going to be a big part of our team moving forward. That's my prediction. I'm sticking to it. I think that's fair. So as far as grade goes or a score goes for Varane in his debut, I mean, I would say 9 out of 10. I would say A. I would say other than a goal, you really could not ask I would say other than a goal, you really could not ask for anything more from him. He had an excellent performance, and I'm looking forward to seeing him again. 
I was glad to finally see him play, and I, I look forward to seeing him play the rest of this season. I really hope he stays fit and he stays in our side because he's a big player. All right. Without anything else, let's look ahead to Newcastle. A brief recap of Newcastle's performances in the Premier League so far. We've had three match days in the Premier League. Uh, Newcastle has played against uh, West Ham United on opening day, where they lost uh, 4-2 to to West Ham United. They had their goals scored by Callum Wilson, uh, unsurprisingly, and Jacob Murphy, uh, but were, frankly, pretty well beaten in that match. Um, and we're just watching the highlights alone. I didn't have a chance to watch the full match in that case. They didn't look like they had really had much of a grip on the game. Um, West Ham also have a very talented side this year, so uh, interesting one. Uh, next match in the Premier League was Aston Villa 2, Newcastle nil. Danny Ings, you may recall, um, banged in a pretty special uh, bicycle kick, which was pretty interesting. Um, and then Anwar Al-Ghazi got the second from the penalty spot later on in the second half there. So, you know, a couple of performances there for Newcastle. 0 for 2, not looking great. Um, you know, and then you look at their last match, uh, which they played most recently, which was against Southampton, who we, of course, know. Um, and it was a 2-2 draw with Southampton. So it does make you wonder, right? Southampton is a team that we felt certainly, uh, at least in my household, that we felt we should have handled easily and didn't. Uh, I would guess that Newcastle played up to Southampton a little bit. Um, from what I know of the two sides, I think Southampton is probably the better side. That said, Newcastle has some solid players and some guys we need to watch out for, for sure. There's always Callum Wilson, who I think is a very underrated player. Um, you know, there was a time where we kind of talked about him being potentially signed for United, and I would have liked to see that, actually. I think he's a dangerous player. Um, Alain Saint-Maximin uh, scored in the 91st minute. Um, for them in a weird game for sure with um, James Ward-Prowse scoring uh, five minutes after that in extra time to uh, from the penalty spot to tie the match. So weird one there. They almost had the points and ended up losing two. Um, but still winless in the Premier League and now taking us on tomorrow. This is one that I fully expect to win. I think they have a good enough team that they can get a goal and they can do damage, and we've seen that in seasons past. Even last season, there's they've been giving us trouble um, for a while, and we need to watch out for that for sure. That said, tomorrow at Old Trafford with the fans, with Ronaldo, who undoubtedly, according to Ollie from this morning's press conference, will take uh, some role in the match and will have something to say about it. He won't necessarily start. He's going to push for it. He said, I'm sure that Ronaldo will be involved, and I hope it's from the start. Um, but I think that Newcastle sitting uh, currently in 17th place with no wins, they've allowed eight goals and they've only scored four. Um, I think it's going to be a tough sell for them against us. And I think with our defense looking the way it has, especially with, you know, you factor in that it's Juan Bissaka, Shaw, Maguire and Varane. That's a really sturdy looking defense. And I don't know how easily they're going to be able to get through, especially when you factor how challenging it was for uh, the likes of Adama Traore to break through. Um, I'm looking forward to this match for sure. For so many reasons, obviously Ronaldo's debut is going to be the biggest one. Um, I'm hopeful that I'll actually get to watch it from the start. Um, I actually have a class going on that uh, takes place at 10 Eastern, which is when this match kicks off. Um, so I may not actually get to watch it from the start, and I may be behind. No spoilers, guys. Keep me out of the loop on this one. Uh, phone will be going off until I'm able to watch it. So 
I think my prediction for this match is going to be Manchester United 3, Newcastle 1. I think Callum Wilson will continue his good form so far this season and get on the score sheet. I think we'll see one from Ronaldo. I think we'll see one from Greenwood. And I'm expecting that Bruno will get on the score sheet as well. I think it's going to be 3-1 Manchester United. Come on, United. Very much looking forward to this one. All right, last thing before we get out of here for episode one and call it a wrap. Best dressed. I mentioned this at the beginning. I'm going to do a best dressed and worst dressed uh, from each uh, week. And mostly I'm going to look at the Premier League since I want to keep it relatively focused on Manchester United with the Fergie Files podcast. Um, but for starters, for this first episode, uh, I'm going to do best dress from our three kits for this season and rank them now. And I think this is going to be um, a really actually easy one. First of all, I like them all, and I intend very much to own all of them, which this is the first season in a while I've wanted to have all three of them. Um, but my order would be home kit, away kit, third kit, for sure. I think the way that they came out. Um, is uh, true to form for me. The home kit is beautiful. I have an authentic one ordered, and it'll be arriving shortly. Um, I think the subtle stripes that you see with the different pattern, but it's all red, is beautiful. And the collar, I mean, that that white collar scoop neck kind of look that stays tight around the neck and doesn't do a deep V or anything is is definitely my preferred look. And then the white trim around the sleeves as well. Just a beautiful kit, for sure. I can't wait to get that one in. And honestly, I think the team viewer sponsor makes our kit look a hundred times better. No disrespect to Chevy. I love Chevy. Didn't really like the size of the badge on the kits. I think that was um, not a great deal. And as far as I remember, when that deal was done, the person who was the principal driver for that deal at GM lost their job or had a lot of criticism and flack internally for making the deal that they made with uh, Manchester United for that many years and that amount of money. Um, That is speculation and rumor probably, but that's what I recall being the um, hearsay at the time from people was that that was not a great deal for Chevy. So interesting one. I personally, from an aesthetic standpoint only, am glad that TeamViewer is the sponsor now. Um, And I also use TeamViewer at work. We have TeamViewer, so I kind of think it's funny that um, you know, I like having products that I know a little something about be a sponsor. I actually like them and don't have anything bad to say. So I think home kit, beautiful. The away kit, the reminiscent of, you know, the class of 92 wearing that same style of retro looking with the uh, blue. You know, we've kind of done uh, some things like that in the past, but not quite to this extent. And this is a beautiful kit. Just gorgeous. I have this one ordered as well. Uh, this one is for also, I have an authentic one for myself and for my wife and for my son. So very excited to get the whole family kitted out in this one. Uh, funny story, my wife, not a Ronaldo fan at all. She's always felt he was a pretty boy and not a very good role model or a good guy, um, which I've always disagreed with, but she won't hear me on it. So I asked her who she'd like on her kit. And she's like, well, run through the players with me. Like, tell me who should I have? I don't know. Um you know, so I was like, look, here's the list. And she's like, no, no, don't show me the pictures. I don't want to be biased. Just like tell me about them and I'll pick. And I was like, okay, well, and I started off with, you guessed it, Marcus Rashford, the best gent in the whole squad. I was like, this is the guy who, remember I told you, he helped get millions of kids meals. And um, she was like, yep, done, totally agreed, Marcus Rashford. So she's got a Rashford kit coming shortly um, as well. And just a brief moment since I didn't have a podcast at the time, what an unbelievable thing for a kid his age to do. Marcus Rashford is genuinely someone we should all look up to and try to emulate his behavior. He has been the absolute professional uh, on and off the pitch with 
you know, almost no bad marks to his name whatsoever. He's just been incredible. And what a phenomenal athlete for us as well and has been a great player and really has become a deserving wearer of the number 10 shirt for us. So love to see him get fit and healthy again so we can join in. This is going to be a very fun team to watch. Finally, then we have the third kit. I love the navy. I like the yellow shorts. It's weird, and it looks great, and I think it's a good fit for us. I just happen to like the other two a little bit better. But overall, all good kits. Still, the home is my favorite for sure. Something about that red and white you just can't beat. So uh, I'll keep this best dressed and worst dressed up. Um, Worst dressed, I don't know. That's a hard one for me. Probably the city third kit. That's probably the unanimous choice. The weird Puma third kit thing I think only would work on the Italian national team and on AC Milan's, uh, you know, jerseys at kits this year. It's just a weird one that they did no badges and the names and all that stuff. Not a big fan. So also I hate city. Um, you know, Chelsea, I'm also not a big fan of, but I have to say their kit looks pretty good this year. So I'll leave them alone for now. All right. Um, without anything else left on the docket and no questions for this time around. Now's a great time to wrap it up and say my prediction for this weekend, Manchester United 3, Newcastle 1. It'll be Ronaldo, Fernandez, and I believe Mason Greenwood is who I said. He'll continue his form, I'm pretty confident of. Um, They'll get on the score sheet. Maybe Callum Wilson will continue his form as well, Uh, but it'll be 3-1 for Manchester United. Don't forget, if you have questions, if you have anything uh, from a topic standpoint that you'd like me to discuss or me and a guest to discuss, let me know. Submit it. Send it in. Follow us at Fergie Files Podcast on Instagram and send me an email directly, FergieFiles at gmail, FergieFilesPodcast at gmail.com. Send those inquiries in. Get them in before uh, the next match. My intention is to try and do uh, one of these episodes weekly if I can manage it. Right now, I'm still in this uh, class that will go on until November, um, and then my schedule sh- should loosen up a little bit. But I also have a 15-month-old at home, so uh, you know schedules can be a little bit tricky. But I'm going to do my best to get one of these out every week uh, if I can, or every uh, couple of matches so that we have some things to discuss and to talk about. Like I said, I will absolutely be getting some guests on here, so it's not just me. But for this first one, it has been a genuine pleasure. I'm so glad to be doing this, and I hope you guys appreciate uh, what we're all about here at the Fergie Files Podcast. Other than that, I hope to hear from you soon. And as always, keep on marching on. Come on, United. And we'll see you next time.